I was born in South London and uh, to a normal family. You know, dad was uh, worked on roofs as a roofer. Mum worked uh, in a variety of different jobs and sort of part-time, looked after the children, two brothers. And I uh, was just brought up in a normal family, went to, a, you know, a lovely school, a state school, uh, went through usual GCSEs, A-levels. And I suppose my sort of thing from school time was um, I was always a bit of a warrior. I was always sort of working more than, you know, just to make sure. I never was super confident. Um, I don't know why that was, but... Um, so I was, uh, I was one of those sort of over-prepared. And, uh, but I, one thing I did think as a result of when I was all through school is that if you wish for something hard enough, you end up achieving it. And so all through school, you know, if I wanted to be in a team or if I wanted to pass an exam or, you know, um, go be invited to a party or anything like that, I used to really wish for it. And then it would happen. And I'd think, wow, wow. this wishing works, you know. And, and it was even in my early career, so I... I left school with A-levels. I went straight to work for a company called BP, um, BP Oil. And that was because I thought, I know, you know, I had no careers advice whatsoever. No one I knew had been to university. Uh, but my next door neighbor worked for Shell Oil. And I remember thinking, I know, I'll, I'll apply to all the big companies, the biggest companies in the country, and I'll see if I can get a job with them. And I got a job with BP Oil as a trainee. And um, they then uh, sponsored me to do a business studies degree. And I did a whole variety of trainee jobs as a, as a a graduate entrant then, mm. um, ranging from HR to IT to finance to sales. And I started to be really successful at sales, not because I was super confident, but because I was, again, very analytical. And I used to look at what is it that we have at BP that our competitors don't. And also, I suppose I was a young woman in a man's world. I was selling fuel oil and bitumen products um, to transport managers. And so I suppose I was a novelty. But so I did quite well there and I was there for about 10 years. But I suppose the theme all the way through, just following on from school, was again this whole thing about wishing, you know, so wishing to get this a next car, wishing to get my first house, you know, wishing to get be asked out by that particular boy or whatever it was. And so I always used to think it was wishing and it wasn't until later that I realised it's actually about focus mm -hmm. and that when you really want something and you focus on it, you know, if you focus on it enough, you start to sort of be led towards it because you sort of, you try a number of strategies to achieve it. And um, and that's probably been the whole thing throughout my life is trying to establish what it is that I next want, articulate that really clearly, um, and then remind myself of it and focus on it. And when I do that, I tend to be successful. And when I don't do that, I can lose, if I look back over my history, lose years where they would have been enjoyable years, but I wouldn't have said that they were years where I achieved massive things because you know I wasn't doing that. It was quite interesting that you, you're talking about this. I interviewed um, Marie Diamond um, a, a week ago, and she was talking about we were talking about manifesting. Yeah. Um, and when you were talking about wishing, there it just it was almost like you were manifesting. What do you think about the whole positive movement and manifesting and affirmations? Yeah. I mean, do you use any of that in your daily life, your daily practice? Yeah. I mean, very much so. And uh, you know, I was um, I went to the first Tony Robbins event in two thousand and six, and before that, uh, Richard Bandler NLP yeah. um, was introduced to me then. Uh, so um, I started to learn this and go down the sort of personal development route from. Yeah, from about, you know, 2005, I suppose. And over that time, learned a lot of these and was open-minded enough, luckily, to be able to try them and implement them and see what worked. And, um, you know, there's different names given to some of these things, like manifesting, as you mm. say. And 
the law of attraction and all of that. And some people will poo-poo it because they will think that, you know, it's sort of a bit woo-woo and up Sounds there. Sounds a bit woo-woo, yeah, um, wishy-washy. But all I, w- I just call it focus, focusing forward, focusing on what it is you want. And uh, there is something else other than just working hard and, do, you know, I definitely feel that you draw things to you. I'm proof of it, and I've seen other people do it, that when you want something with the right focus and doing all the right things, you know, usually speaking, it happens. And it, you can't actually say that it's going to happen at a particular day, and you can't actually say it's going to happen in a particular way, but it does happen. And you think, wow, I wanted that to happen, but I never thought it was going to happen this way. And, and that's happened to me time and time again. So I really do believe you can't just sort of sit there and wish and wish and wish. It has to be much more than that. But if you take the action as well and the focus, all of it combined gets you what you want. Now, did you manifest or see your MBE coming? Because in, in 2019, was it? Yeah. Tell me about the MBE and, and yeah. how you well, I mean, I think what was really weird was that um, I had a photo shoot in central London. You'll see it on my Instagram. And it was in, so I got the MBE in January 2019. I was told about it by my daughter. She came running over and to meet me in, in central London because she had a letter. Um, and she said, I really think you should see this letter, Mum. And that was in the November. Well, I had a photo shoot in the summer of 2018 in London. And the photographer said, oh, let's sort of have you walking up the Mall and, you know, let's walk around, have some fun and walk around, you know, Buckingham Palace and things like that. And um, anyway, he did this amazing photo. I said, look, let me look, let me make it look as if I'm just walking into the palace. And he said, oh, no, you know, the security guards will sort of, they'll stop you. And I said, well, let's see how far I can just walk up to the gates before they do stop me. So I've got this amazing photo of me walking in and I put it on Instagram and I said, um, one of my ambitions is to meet the Queen you know, and this may be as far as I get, ha ha, but, and I posted the photo and, um, you know, it's one, it was certainly in one of my things, one of my visions and one of my affirmations is that I wanted to meet the Queen before she dies. And um, the other really weird thing was I was walk, minding my own business, walking back from Victoria one day from a podcast and um, suddenly I got stopped outside the Goring by some police and the policeman was lovely and he said, the Queen's coming out, she's been for a lunch with her girlfriends. And then actually walked right in front of me and I had a really good look at the Queen. So those couple of things, things. you know, were funny little things that happened. I never wrote down that I wanted to achieve an MBE, but I wanted my work to be recognised. Mm. And um, if you think about all the things that I was doing, you know, listening to policymakers, um, wanting to influence policy in a certain way. So I suppose making myself known there and my views known there and my ideas known there, um, together with proximity, I suppose, you know, probably I did manifest it, yeah. It's amazing. And just going back to, or not going back to, what in terms of what you do now, because you, um, uh, it's a recruitment consultancy, but you're, you're really focusing in on young people. Yeah, I mean, and even that sort of moved on. It's, it's very interesting, the stages that we've been through and how um, you don't need to have all the answers and all the clarity of your goals right at the very beginning, because I had 20 years in the corporate world, so I had 10 years at BP Oil, um, I then moved to what was called the Woolwich, and then it was acquired by Barclays. So 10 years there as well. So I had a 20-year corporate career. Um, and it was really towards the end of that where I thought, you know, I want to start my own business. And the reason for that, and the thing that really sticks in my mind was that I was reporting at board level. I remember one night, very late, um, the chairman of, of Barclays was there. And we were in the boardroom, and he was exhausted, and we all were doing something or other. I mean, 
you know, it shows how important it was because I can't even remember the detail <laughs> of it. But what I do very distinctly remember is looking at him and thinking, I really don't want your job. And I thought to myself, if I don't actually want his job, then really I ought to be moving. And a lot of my friends, you know, I was 39 years old then. A lot of my friends were in their, running their own businesses. My children were that little bit older now. And so I thought, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to leave and I'm going to start up a business. And at the time it was going to be shoes, you know, because I was sort of super keen in shoes. I was thinking about the online market. Netta Porter had just sort yes. of started. But, you know, for various reasons I won't go into now because of time, um, I ended up starting a recruitment business and to start off with it was going to be placing mid-level professionals and again to try and cut sort of quite a lengthy story short that that grew really well until the first recession 2008 came it was like a tap turned off you know so i had refurb beautiful offices i think i had about 60 staff they i always remember a time again you know it's funny how you feel moments where you must have been feeling intense emotion mm. i remember walking through the floor one day and everyone's laughing, they're having the greatest time. And I'm thinking, oh God, you know, I've got to pay this lot. What am I going to do? And I really had my back up against the wall there. And um, But it's the best thing ever. Same with you know what we're experiencing now, because it makes you diversify. And I started to diversify into a whole range of different things. Training companies, accountancy services. Because I thought, right, I've got all these clients. I know they like us. What else do they need? I've also got these great staff. What else are they capable of? And we started to look at, you know, a number of things, but the training business really flew because we then won a contract and it was on Friday afternoon. I filled out a bid and we happened to win a contract with the Department of Work and Pensions to work with newly unemployed professionals. And we started to train them in CV writing, but we went one step further and placed them into jobs because we were recruiters still. And that led then to us being very successful with that. That replaced the missing recruitment revenue. And, uh, and the next thing I was introduced to apprenticeships by Boris Johnson in February 2011. And I realized that we had a lot of applicants who were young, very young people. And I thought, well, you know, this, this sort of is an opportunity for them to access industries where they never would have had the opportunity to do so in the past. So let's put together some sort of pre-apprenticeship thing because I, I can't put them in front of employers mm -hmm. the way they are. Let's do some work with them. Let's match them up and let's deliver apprenticeships. And then we did that really successfully for about 10 years um, and became known for being the most effective provider of that type of service in the UK. Um, I mean, that, that's amazing. I mean, certainly when I was young, there wasn't that sort of service there. It was all, almost like an automatic university. And there was a back in the days where university was paid for. It was like yeah. you went to school, you did your A-levels, you went to university. You didn't really question it. It was either your, your parents' goals or society's goals. How, what do you think the secret is or how do you help young people, not just actually young people, even looking at yourself to really yeah. figure out what your true purpose mm. is, um, what your real inspiration is? Well, you've said, exa you've said exactly what, what the key is there because I think there are so many courses, you know, as those years progressed and government realised that we had a potential issue with youth unemployment if we didn't do something, they started to put money into helping young people to get their first job. But so many of the courses that are available to youngsters take them straight into uh, strategies to achieve a job without explaining the bigger purpose, without getting them to think about their bigger purpose. So where we were different is they would all turn up thinking they were about to do a CV writing course and try and do an interview course. And we'd be saying to them, what are your life goals? Yeah. And we'd be saying, you know, okay, so let's visualize yourself in five years time. And they so, probably would never ask that no, before in their lives. You know, so you had, and we used to have great, and we still do have great fun with it. You know, so you, 
you've got guys saying, right, well, you know, I'm with this girl, she's tall, blonde and hot, I'm driving an Audi and <laughs> I've got this car and I go here on holiday and I'm wearing these trainers. And so we say, yeah, and what, and what, and what? So they would document it and they'd get super excited about it. And we'd say, okay, so now let's have a look at that life. How much does that cost you? So we keep them in that mindset. Okay, well, it cost me this much. And what are you, what are you doing as a job at the moment? Oh, well, you know, well, are you working in an office or are you outside? Yeah, I'm working in an office. You know, how much are you earning? Oh, uh, oh I'm earning 50,000. Okay, great. So they get this really clear picture. Then we, and then they're all super pumped up and excited. And we do that over about a week. And then we bring them forward again and we say, okay, so you're now really clear what you want. We're going to show you some stepping stones. You want to be, uh, to get that house and that girl and that car and this, that and the other, you know, this is really what you need to be achieving. So let's take you back here. You've got to pass your maths. <laughs> you've got to pass your English. You need to learn how to sort of present yourself in an interview. Now the light bulbs have gone on. Now they you, that you get a total engagement, and then you've got five or six weeks where they're really listening to everything you say. They see all their friends getting jobs, and they're that's up fantastic. and running. And so that's the difference. Yeah, business reengineering backwards, basically yeah. looking your end goal and then figuring yeah. out the path. Yeah, and we had so we had so many success stories with it. It's been really lovely. You go on LinkedIn and you look at the alumni now, people working all over the place in amazing roles. Um, and we put thousands of people through it. So that was, that was a lovely piece of work. And, um, but we've sort of changed our focus a little bit now because in 2018, um, I launched a, what I called the Limitless Manifesto in the House of Commons. And the reason for that was that I realised that, okay, young people are nicely provided for now. There's many, many opportunities like this. But what about all these midlife people? Mm -hmm. You yes. know, they're all sort of great members of society insofar as they're doing a job, they're paying their taxes, you know, they're creating, you know, GDP growth. But are they really happy? Um, are we getting I can the most? Tell probably not. You know, are we getting the most out of them? Yeah. The country wants greater productivity. The country wants us to be a global leader. So what about this massive untapped, untapped potential? So those, and not just those ones that are in the jobs. What about this other lot? who now, you know, they're mums and maybe they've decided course, yes. not to return or maybe, you know, they've retired early and now they want to come back because they've got so much to give. There's this other load of untapped potential. Right, so what can we do about these? And so I came up with this, this proposal, which is a method of inspiring these individuals to realise that, you know, they can do new careers, start again with the benefit of all their experience, but there is just one thing missing and that was they don't feel physically strong enough and mentally strong enough to do that. So I thought, right, there's the missing piece. You look absolutely amazing. I know we both share a love of lifting weights, but tell me about your body transformation because it really was phenomenal. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it was sort of accidental, I suppose, in a way. Um, I have always been very active, uh, you know, even though I've been work a hard worker and work long hours and one of those that sort of just carries on working till it's done. And, you know, relatively full of energy, always prided myself on not needing too much sleep, etc. So um, during, uh, you know, I turned 50 and um, I definitely bought into that whole belief that, okay, so now I'm sort of middle-aged and so the fact that I'm feeling a little bit fat around here, you know, that's to be expected. You know, I put up with it and uh, I sort of compensated by buying more and more clothes, you know, and thinking, oh, does that look okay? And so I, by now I was sort of doing more presentations and things. So um, it used to get on my nerves, you know, because I'd have a lovely dress, and but it would be a bit tight, you know, so I'd be thinking, oh, my bum looks a bit big in this, or I better make sure I hold tummy in. And although I was still a small size, I, I knew that I didn't feel 
But it wasn't just about aesthetics as well. Um, I did What I didn't realise at the time is that I was also draining myself of energy. If you think about a battery, it was getting to a point where I wasn't really filling that battery up properly mm. because I wasn't sleeping as many hours probably as I needed to. Um, and, you know, I was getting up at five o'clock and going to boot camp in the pouring rain. And so it wasn't like I wasn't trying to sort of stay fit. But I wasn't getting the results and I, my body wasn't as I wanted it to be. So were you cardio queen at the time? Yeah, than, I was, you know, yeah. boot camps, oh, yeah. running oh, around, yeah. you know, all the classes. Um, and I never would have stepped foot in a weightlifting gym. Um, I, I used to sort of think about this whole bodybuilding world as sort of a bit of a weird world, I suppose, as most many people do. Um, and then my son, um, who now is 28, he came back from the US and so he was living with me for a, a little bit. And uh, I used to watch how he started measuring his food and he'd be going to the gym. And I thought, wow, you know, he's changing shape before me. And what is all this measuring his food and gym, you know, kitchen scales and stuff? Um, but he said, mum, you know, you really should come to this gym and, and just see how you get on. And so one day I thought, oh, you know, what, I will. And that was in 2016. And uh I just got introduced to this whole new world of a different way of seeing nutrition and weightlifting and what, as you well know, um, a whole part of this picture of sort of transforming your body and your body composition so that you actually look how you want to look in terms of you look toned, but also um, that you feel really strong. It's to do with 80% of it is nutrition Completely. and the rest of it is to do with, you know, lifting in the in the gym. And I so I learned all this and I was given all these new skills and I sort of uh, took a bit of time to get my head around it during the rest of that year, which is 2016. But during 2017, after Christmas, it was one of those things where I started to focus. And I always remember, um, again, I saw someone, a picture of someone's abs, a, a female, um, didn't know her, put a, po a photo of her abs on my um, phone, had her abs on my phone for the best part of the year. And um, I suddenly had this this uh, amazing transformation. I lost 10 kgs in weight. Wow. And um, I didn't really change clothes shape as such, but for the first time I had abs. I was toned all over. I was quite happy to, you know, fling my clothes off and trot you around anywhere. You look naked, right? Well, That's I was the happy difference. with that, yeah. you know. Yeah. And whereas, you know, if you, if you don't feel as great naked, it's sort of different, isn't it? And so all of a sudden I had this body that I didn't recognise and, and I felt so strong, so energetic. I was leaping out of bed at 4 a.m., um, but I was going to bed earlier and I'm not saying it wasn't a struggle, but, uh, you know, to sort of change my eating habits, um, to get, you know, I used to love pasta and wine. Now I still have that, but I know about how to sort of manage that. It's the 20% um, rather than the 80 yeah. Yeah, so I got this great transformation and, um, you know, the photos there on Instagram and it went in the Daily Mail and things like that. And people started to say, wow, you know, she's biohacking. Really, I suppose I was insofar as I wasn't doing anything special with, supplements or anything it was all sort of just changing natural foods and eating at a certain time and you know certain type of macros more protein different types of carbs all from vegetables and things um, and lifting weight so basically losing body fat increasing muscle mass and then you get that type of body and um, but the really interesting thing about it was number one you, you know you feel more confident in yourself but that means that then you attract more things to you people want to speak to you um, so business comes your way more and obviously what you can't see is what it does to you mentally because yeah. you can obviously see physically what it does. Mm -hmm. You can feel how strong you feel physically um, but what you don't realise is what it does to your, your mind in terms of your ability to think more clearly, address challenges more quickly um, and just sort of cut through the crap really and sort of get things done and so I suppose I got to about the, the end of 2018 in that mindset and it was only when I looked back that I realised that for many years I'd been 
succeeding despite myself as opposed to because of myself. It was almost like sheer bloody will power, you know, yeah, the to sort of get it grind. done. Yes. And um, now I seem to be floating along and getting so many things in it and things all sort of started to come together. And I'm not saying that there weren't many challenges and there not still are, but I just, I suppose I address them in a different way and I can never... Um, I can never sort of uh, be defeated by a challenge, I suppose. I've got a very strong self-belief. Um, and that applies to many things, you know, loved ones being ill, you know, my ex-husband being diagnosed with cancer. And, um, but, you know, myself and my children being able to sort of rally around him, such a team, you know, helping him with his nutrition, helping him with his mindset, getting him through from stage four cancer to being totally in remission wow, and free of it, you know. Um, so it's not just about helping people with their careers and their business and their bodies, but their mindset and it has far-reaching consequences so the transformation started off as let me get rid of this tummy roll and get mm. see if I can get a six-pack to really changing everything that I focus on when I'm trying to help people with their careers because I like to now look at the fundamentals get those right first mm. and then it helps not just their careers but everything in their life so tell me about the new project um, the mind yeah. the your body your business um, well I came up with that concept because you know thinking this way and I you know, so many people would come to me and say, wow, you look great. And then the next thing was, how do you do it? And so I was forever telling people and um, especially the people that worked in my business, I started to encourage them to go and take more steps. So we had a steps challenge. Then I started to talk to them about meditation. Then I started to talk to them about macros. Then I started talking about weightlifting. And, um, you know, people were saying to me, I can't remember sort of who particularly sort of sparked the idea, but before I knew it, I was filming um, several modules into a program and we created this program and we called it, um, and I was thinking body, business, world, lifting the world. And I just thought your body means business. And that's how it came about. And it's YBMB and your body means business. It's just sort of, you know, in 2018, the summer of 2018, we launched it. It was 30 odd modules online and it basically brought together all the things that I've learned. And I compartmentalized them into a series of things I've learned to do with mindset a series of things I'd learned to do with body and a series of things that I'd learned to do with business because what I realized is all the business strategies that I've learned over the years, and I'd definitely been a seeker of knowledge, you know, going all around the world. I know I share this with you, you know, finding out what works. What I realized is many business strategies work, but the missing ingredient very often is your commitment, your consistency, your energy to implement them. And once you've got the energy to do that, they all work, then you can take your pick. So I've, I've created this program it's available online and then, you know, just the most recent cohort started. It's 29 men and women. Uh, they range from 38 years old to 67 years old. And I like the fact that you said it's for men as well, because obviously you're, well. you're a gorgeous woman and you've yeah. done this as a woman. And yeah. a lot of people would think, well, would you attract more women? But actually a lot of men in there yeah. and reach that midlife crisis oh, stage as well. Very and, much so. And, I, you know, sometimes I feel sorry for men because... I mean, women, you know, I love to see empowered women and I love helping women because I do think very often they, well, but this applies to men and women, you know, they don't realise what their potential is. They think that they're washed up at mid 40s, mid 50s, that they've had their career, if only they'd done this, if only they'd done that. For some reason, they think it's too late. Um, and yet, you know, the science says that we ought to live, if we're a perfect human specimen, to about 150, if we don't do things to damage ourselves. But what that really means is that you can renew yourselves you know, you can get to the age of 50, just as I've done. You can get yourself super fit and healthy, healthier and fitter than you've ever been in your life. And out before you now is another 50 years of working life, 
where you're, you know everything that you knew before. You've got the benefit of all the mistakes and the, the benefit of hindsight. So you have got this older head on these, you know, literally younger shoulders. And now look what you can do. You know, you can be inspired. You can inspire others. You can have a whole series of new careers. And this applies to men and to women. And as I said, you know, I, I feel it's great to empower women, but I do feel so, sometimes for men that they are stuck on the treadmill even more than women. You know, we, we say that we want more women want it to be in the boardroom, but let's have a look at some of those men that maybe they don't want to be in the boardroom. Maybe, you know, they actually would love the opportunity to jump off the hamster mm -hmm, wheel, yes. but they've got to pay the mortgage and the school fees and the car and everything else. So I love to see men on this program as well, because, you know, again, they go through their own sort of form of, you know, sort of middle midlife crisis, let's say. And uh, just as we're, we're all human specimens, you know, regardless of the gender, and um, yeah, the, the world is there waiting for them to change their careers, you know, men and women. So it's great to have all of these people and to be helping these guys get six packs at the age of 67. It's just something I never thought yeah, you know, I'd course. see myself yeah, doing. Um, so I'm so excited about it. And are there, are there any, is there any bits of advice or tips that you could give the audience if they're watching this and they think, okay, what's... What maybe is the starting point? And I know you're a great believer in routines as well. Yeah. And I actually just listen to your morning routine, um, which I think is lovely. And everyone, yeah. well, some people don't have a morning routine, yeah. but I'm, I'm a firm believer actually in yeah. having some sort of routine when you get out of bed. Mm. Are there any tips and advice that are your, yeah. your secrets that you could share? Um, well, the first thing that I see time and time again with individuals is that they know they want something to be different but when you say, you know, so for example, they will say, I just never have any time, you know, of my, of my own to pursue my, my new career or even look at it. And you, and you say, well, what would you really love to do? They start to tell you and you say, okay, so how would you like your day to be? And they go, oh, um, you know, well, I suppose I'd like to work from eight till 12. Okay, so let's write that down. So I think one of the tips uh, uh, is to document exactly how you want your life to be. It's amazing how people don't do that. That's the first thing. Set yourself a target, and this is not lofty goals. This is, how would I like my, my ideal day to be? Well, I would like to get up at this time, eat that, work then, you know, see these people, read a book or whatever it is, document that. Document that, put it in a book so it's part of a vision. Look at that every single day. Okay, so now you're very clear and you start to focus on what you really want. You've now articulated it. That's the first tip that... So many people don't do. Now, the second thing is to uh, have some consistency in your life. You know, to do little things every single day and to start to string those together so they become habits. Um, again, people sort of don't just give, just don't give it long enough. And I was exactly like that with regard to my fitness. You know, when I very first got introduced to the weightlifting thing, three or so months, and I just. I thought, you know, look, I'm going to do a bit of this, but I'm not going to do all of that because, you know, it seems far too much of a fad. Well, I thought I knew better. Quickly. Yeah, I, you know, I, well, I, I don't need to diet. Yeah, I don't need to do that. <laughs> yeah. But really, once I actually got my head around what needed to be done, I thought, do you know what? I'm going to really give this a go now and I'm going to be consistent. I got the result. And this happens, has happened so many times throughout my life and others as well. Consistency in the end is key. You do everything, whether it's you're going to do a daily email whether it's going to be your a daily podcast, you know, a weekly podcast as you're doing, whatever it is, consistency. Angela, we've come to my final question. Yeah. Uh, if you were to write a message in a bottle Ooh, yeah. for future generations to find, yeah. what would that message be? 
Uh, I mean, I know it probably sounds, you know, cheesy, but you can do it. Hope you enjoyed the show. Remember, there's a new interview out every Monday. So hit subscribe and like, and you'll get it straight into your inbox.